0: Water Earth Fire Air Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. In this episode, we talk about a classic Nickelodeon show that's now found new life on Netflix. Avatar The Last Airbender Not to be confused with that other Avatar movie. This week, we'll discuss how that show shaped our childhoods, how the movie adaptation failed our expectations, and how we hope the Netflix live action show does it better. I'm Jose Lopez, and this is Nerdcraft Nation. Everybody, I'm Jose Lopez, and I'll be your host for this episode. And with me, we have Brandon Kessley. Hello, everyone. And Chris Walker. Hey, hey, hey. And in this episode, we'll be discussing the critically acclaimed Emmy Award Nickelodeon show, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Now, this was a show that was very near and dear to all of our hearts here. And I just wanted to get your initial reactions, guys. What did you guys think of the show overall? Brandon, let's start with you. What was your experience like the first time you saw it?
1: Wow. Oh, the first time I saw this show. Yeah. What I... got you hooked on? It. My first episode of the show was actually when Zuko and Zhao had their Agni Kai, so that was like the first time I ever saw it on TV. And I think the show had probably just started, got into it early. I mean, and just that, time. yeah, that episode where you have this kid with a scar who is shooting fire from his fist and fighting another dude, and they're like both running around fighting each other with fire. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, there's a fire duel. What was this all about? And that had me hooked from then on, and I just kept watching the show, seeing whatever episodes I could. At that time, it, it was on demand. It wasn't available on YouTube, but I. Found Fell in love with the show. I watched it weekly. Over time, I watched it with. I think I watched it with my dad, my uncle, sister, my grandmother, my paternal grandmother at the time, my cousins. Just anyone that was willing to watch. It was just this show that really captured nearly everything that I came to hold dear at that point in my life. I've been into martial arts since I was a child, and I was actively pursuing my black belt at the time in Tung Sudo. And so, like, it captured the martial arts aspect of my life, and it captured the anime geek in me because of its influences. And it was this giant melting part of everything that I love. Every kind of fictional influence that I like was present and it just drew me in and I kept going. And obviously when it hit Netflix it just hit all the right heartstrings for me. It's such a damn good show and it weirdly holds up today. You have this very simple premise but a continuous narrative, a finite narrative and very steady logical character progression and maturity even for a show that doesn't really go above TV Y7 in rating. Oh that's true. It's a very delicate balance that they struck and I think it really shows how meticulous they were planning this out
0: yeah because I think that was one of the first shows ever in Nickelodeon that actually had like a planned endpoint through line with actual character development because I think most yeah. shows back in that time they had to like be so serialized like Spongebob and all those other shows like they couldn't develop the characters too much or change too much because you had to be able to tune in week to week in order to watch whatever was going on yeah right. The right. Show. At
2: the same time, that's like with uh the Simpsons like you can't really exactly Exactly. but they clearly were like we're gonna get in we're gonna get out we're gonna make our money and that's it
1: yeah and it paid off twice i mean i know we'll talk about it later but they gave you two emmy award-winning series in the same universe but they had a finite story that they wanted to tell and when they were done telling it they let it be and when they wanted to come back to it they're just like yeah let's just do some comics for now
0: yeah yeah well it's interesting about the sequel series but i'll get to that when we get to cora later I've on
2: about that also mm-hmm. brandon
0: just out of curiosity how many times have you rewatched the show how many During times? COVID
1: or in general? In general, my god, did you just lose count at this point? In all honesty, I've probably seen the show four or five times the entire way. Actually, no, maybe a little more. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past you to say ten. <laughs> well, it might be ten because in high school, after the show had ended, there was this channel, Nicktoons, and oh, it used yeah. to show marathons of like all the like really big Nickelodeon action shows and stuff like that. So it showed Avatar a lot. There was a point that I was watching it. I'd basically go home from school. I would like watch the news for a bit, and then I would just watch Avatar and like Wolverine and the X-Men, basically. That's fine And so like I watched it a shit ton on Nicktoons. When it was on Netflix the first time in college, I watched it again. So I probably watched it at least 10 times. That's a good point. Including the two COVID rewatches. Two COVID Okay, gotcha.
0: Yeah. It was I mean, one in standard definition, one high definition. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's been four months. I feel like watching it twice is very unsurprising. Yeah, I was literally watching Susan's Comet before we got onto recording this.
2: There you go. Of course. The greatest series finale of all time?
1: Yeah, it's weird how
0: well they stuck the landing. It's very difficult to do. Because they planned it out, Brandon, unlike (laughs) Game of
1: Thrones
0: (laughs) or Star Wars.
2: I mean, when you know your end games in sight, like you just go and you build it out.
0: Yeah, all good shows
2: do. They know what the end is.
0: They know what characters use they brought back all the right characters from previous episodes and they killed exactly. off the ones
2: that they needed to yeah. kill off exactly they knew what they were doing in the previously on avatar segment at the start of like the four part finale yeah they reach really far back and then make a line all the way through and it ends with Zuko being like so I know you don't want to kill anybody but what are you going to do with my dad because he's Uh, going to murder you yep and it's just like wow we've gone really far for everybody to just be like hey Aang so you're going to kill him (laughs)
0: you're going to do it (laughs) yeah
2: well Chris let's go there let's go give me your overall thoughts on the show as a whole I actually started watching it a little before the second season started a little bit before book two too, because we only got cable in late 2004, 2005. And I wasn't watching cable channels we had at that point as much. But I picked up on it because it was an all day marathon. And the first couple episodes, I was like waving in and out that episode with the Agni Kai on the boat between Zuko and Legeau, when they really got into the northern water tribe. That's when I started to like immediately pay attention and started to ramp up for me because you could see the like action and the discussion and everything started to build towards something big and that's really the main story arc line that carried me through to being like oh I fuck with this show hard and honestly I love Toph like when you get into like the entire earth bending learning and everything yeah. like that it is yep. so impressive and that character is one of my favorite characters on this show Toph is really what like tightened up my love of Avatar like originally yeah, I, I think know, they were I, gonna have Toph be this big muscular
0: dude which they kind of made fun yeah, of in the <laughs> Emerald Island Players Emerald Island, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: and And that's like one of the funniest things. Top is like tiny, blind, and you would think gentle as a flower, but ain't nothing gentle about that flower. She got thorns. Nope. She'll fuck you up. I love how much she makes fun of Aang also just calling him twinkle toes and being like, you are way too soft for any of this shit. (laughs) Like her, I do not care attitude about training is very entertaining. And genuinely that's the kind of television that I gravitate towards like a lot of animated stuff, but any television that features like great dialogue and banter and just like well thought out. As long as you have a good story in place and you have great character development and great like world development also, or like even just like good development, good character development, good world development. Like I'm going to be interested and I'm going to want to see how far it'll go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely one of the things that grabber made of to the show. I don't think I remember what actually got me hooked on the show because I think I watched it as it was airing, but that was back in like what 2005. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it was 15 years ago. I don't remember (laughs) shit what I was doing back then. but I forgot what it was. Maybe it was word of mouth through people I went to school with or I think what actually might have been it was that I was just watching some other show on Nickelodeon, maybe CatDog, who knows? Oh, hey Arnold. And then Avatar The Last Airbender came on and even from that opening sequence where you had all the elements listed out where Katara has the narration of the Fire Nation taking over and only the Avatar could take them down and bring balance. I was like, oh shit, this sounds pretty dope. I'm sort of hooked. And then I don't know which was the first episode I saw, but I I know like from that opening credit I wanted to see it from the beginning and then I went back and watched it all the way through from the first episode and then on it's like you said Chris it's something about that show that even what 15 years later I think I saw it when it aired then I showed it to our composer Daniel who does theme song for the show I showed it to him got him hooked on it and that was back in like what 2013 where we spent a whole summer on a summer job and then we set up a projector in, in a classroom and just like watched <laughs> <laughs> Avatar The Last Sam <laughs> That's
2: the BU Media Group, yeah. a- a.k.a. BU Classroom Technology Services. Yeah. yeah.
0: Also, shout out
1: to Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah shout out to Daniel, for real. So the yeah, real MVP. Him.
0: Yeah. I didn't think I watched the whole thing with him, but I got him hooked in a few episodes. I was like, oh, shit. He just immediately loved it. And then recently, again, with the Netflix we watched, at first, I wasn't sure if I was going to think. I was like, am I going to like this again as much as I did as a kid? And surprisingly, the answer was yes. Yes. It hid the same notes for me. And it was so great because I had forgotten a lot of the main major plot points that like just to relive that again yeah. like it's almost like it's brand new was just fantastic like all the jokes still landed like Saga is consistently funny I don't know how they do that how
2: do you fuck I that up know. in the movie
1: but well, well Jack just... Rathbone can't act yeah but also like forget the thing that does not exist how do you fuck that up in something like the Dragon Prince like I saw the Dragon Prince and it has the same hit writer and it, it just didn't hit the same oh damn it just did not hit the same at all I'm That's, curious so... then what it is it was just the actor the whole team with Avatar well, like... no 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 Saga's actor is the lead role in that show oh so it's the main writer and the lead yeah it's the main writer and Sokka's actor so the funny thing is like I think it's really the showrunners the creators I think it's just they had this world and this narrative planned out like when you really think about it Avatar Last Airbender is really like a kid's version of Lord of the Rings in terms of like the epicness of the battles the magic that occurs the way that certain magic is consolidated the reincarnation and things of that sort the spirit world it's kind of the way that they interact with all of those themes and the morale that they weave throughout it.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: That's true.
1: I know Chris already mentioned this a little bit, but Brandon, what were your favorite characters from the show? So I loved Toph. I really loved Toph the entire time that she was around. Hands down, though, I got to give it to Iroh and Zuko. Iroh and Zuko. Yep. And Azula is my favorite villain. Probably my second favorite villain of all time. Favorite being Darth Vader. But Azula is a very much a close second. But that whole family drama and Zuko's character progression is some of the greatest character development I have ever seen in fiction. And you can absolutely Absolutely buy it. It's completely believable. It's the only character redemption that I openly believe in.
0: Yeah. A great through line. Yeah. I just don't know. Like these writers, man, they were just like at the top of their game. Wow. Yeah. they got Everybody's layers. an onion. We all have layers. Yeah. yeah. This is like the first show that makes me love all the characters. There's usually in every show, there's always like the one character that I either find like annoying or like you just hate this person, but like in this show, it's like, damn it. I love all the characters now. Like Zuko is definitely my favorite. I love Zuzu. Even Azula. <laughs> That crazy bitch. And like,
1: she's tragic though. Yeah, she exactly. is tragic in her
0: own right. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. So it's almost like like they made her so damn interesting, so compelling. She reminded me of like Cersei in the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones, uh, where she was just so manipulative. She was always like trying to plot against somebody in Simone's some secret way to stab them in the back. She was like I a mean, successful.
2: I mean, you your mom yeah. hate you. I I think that would fuck you up a lot. And then your yep. dad is like a tyrannical authoritarian who's willing to kill his own brother and father and son and son to become king and son wow I always forget about that. he was willing to kill Zuko to become king such an easy thing to forget that he was willing to kill his own son every chance he got Yep, yeah, pretty much that's how
0: Zuko got that scar on his face
1: <laughs> yeah
0: but yeah like I don't know what it is but every character in the show like even Toph like after she got introduced in season two it felt like she was there the whole time like I couldn't picture the show without her anymore once yeah. Toph got into to the group it was like I can't picture the group without Toph anymore it's like they seamlessly blended her in and in such a fantastic way that she just feels like she brings something to the table and even and characters like Sokka season
2: one is not enough toff to
0: <laughs> even then it was still so fucking good even characters like Sokka who aren't benders he still brings a lot to the table he's a great strategist even though he can't airbend or do any of these other fancy things that his sister or his friend Anne can do he still manages to bring a lot to the table and show that he's worthy of being part of the group yeah it's he's really Robin amazing he's really yeah.
1: amazing
2: wait Brandon which Robin is he <laughs> I'm
1: thinking Dick I'm thinking he's Robin slash Nightwing. Yeah, he seems like the leader From Teen type, Titan. Though. Yeah, yeah, that definitely fits that bill. He's goofy like Tim, yeah. but like strategic
0: like Nightwing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just so amazing to have a show like this. It just makes you love almost every character. like Zuko. I love his character progression. You guys mentioned all the trauma he goes through and he overcomes that even Iroh. Oh, my God. Like the father Zuko never had that he
1: deserved. He would have been a yeah. great fire lord. Yeah, their relationship is just perfect for the story they're telling because like you said, Iroh's the father that Zuko never had and the frankly he deserved yep and Zuko was Iroh's redemption because he lost his son in the battle of Ba Se and so he gravitated toward his relationship with Zuko especially when they went off together and really tried to raise him as his own since he lost his son so like their relationship was perfect for each other and they redeemed each other in a lot of ways
0: Leaves of the Vine still makes me shed a tear every time I play (laughs) when I got to that episode in my rewatch and I was like oh damn this still hits it right in the feels man jeez R.I.P. Mako
1: R.I.P. Mako damn
2: poor one out for the real homies
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Amazing how that man can sound so gentle and loving as Iro, and then so fearsome and terrifying as Aku and Samurai Jack. He's the same guy yeah. who replaced him in Last Airbender for this last season of Samurai Jack.
1: Okay, that's what I thought.
0: Yeah, he does his best, although Mako still sounds better, but he did his best. I think he sounded better as Iroh than as Aku, but for yeah. the replacement guy, yeah. All right, next best choice, might as well. And props to him. Like the only fan request that he'll deny is leave some of mine because he's like, no, 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 that's Mako's song. I gotta respect his wishes. That's his song. Yeah, let's leave it there. But yeah, yeah, even characters like Azula, it's one of my favorite villains. Like, even though Fire Lord Ozai was the big bad of the show, he was mainly just, like, the boss battle at the end of the game. But Azula was the main villain that just, like, carried through. Ever since she came on in Season 2 as a main central player, brought in Ty Lee and Mei to sort of back her up, she was just great. I know that when they were initially thinking about doing Season 4, they thought about maybe having a redemption arc for her. But I was like, that doesn't feel right for the character. And I'm glad they didn't go in that direction in the graphic novel. Novels. She does get closure with the whole mom thing, which is yeah. great. That's the right but note But she's like drive. a
2: pure villain through and through.
0: Exactly. Redeeming her would not have been wouldn't right have gone over well. She is yeah. her father's
2: yeah. daughter. Yes, yeah, exactly. she is.
0: Exactly. Yep. And I'm glad that they but went with the right direction that, in the graphic novel.
2: Absolutely. Which makes
0: me think, like, I don't think I would have wanted a season four of this year. I think it ended on the right note. Yeah. Like, I think I'm just like, all right. It basically completed its goal. Aang, master all full elements. He defeated the Fire Lord, brought balance to the world. And then that was the end of the story. I know there were like some loose plot threats, but at least those got answered in the graphic novels that came out. Yeah. Yeah. Like but a, at the
2: same it, time, now that you have the graphic novel, like you can extend it further if you want. And exactly. just follow that as your guideline right then and there.
0: Yeah. So I like having yeah. that as the backup options. Like, all right, they told a complete story in the show. And if I want to know more, I have the graphic novels to sort of find out what happened to the characters after that. Exactly. Yeah. Like I was reading the first couple ones. First one, I didn't like as much because it was basically just Aang and Zuko just fucking up the first year out. Yep. And <laughs> Pretty much, and then I saw it did the raise end... some interesting
1: points. Yeah,
0: I saw the ending coming though, like a mile away. Like this colony that we used to belong to the Fire Nation is now belong to the Earth Kingdom. So like, why don't you guys just share the colony and bring balance that way? It's like, oh yeah, that's what we should have done all along. So yeah,
1: I... was not the one where they even had. I think it was like a Romeo and Juliet story almost, where there was like a Firebender and an Earthbender that had like gotten yeah married or something.
0: Yeah, there was like the mayor's kid was a Firebender, and then somebody from Smellerbee's okay. group forgot what the name was. He fell in love with that girl and it was like wait you're dating her wow good job dude because this dude was like fat and she was super hot <laughs>
2: <laughs> listen comes come in all shapes and sizes y'all come-up's come ups yeah. come in all shapes and sizes
0: yeah but even then like in that one like roku was giving ang some bad advice he was like yo dude what the fuck you want me to kill zuko jesus christ no 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 i'm cutting you off <gasps>
2: Roku." Roku yeah. really was out here being like you might have to kill somebody every other time and it's just yep. like sir yeah sir <laughs> not like, projecting onto me to be roku. You do things differently now
0: <laughs> yeah that's basically what ang was trying to tell him the whole time it's like uh it's been a hundred years dude like
2: shit's different now it's like Even when you shit. gotta tell your uncle how to treat a woman at a restaurant <laughs> it's just like yo 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 unk 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 chill 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 chill, chill. <laughs> kill the accent right now you don't have to go and holler at a girl to like smile or something like that come on man yeah roku have you been talking to kiyoshi jesus christ like simmer down my guy
1: <laughs> yeah chill the fuck out bro i gotta be honest Kyoshi's kind of my favorite avatar she has very little story but she fucking kicks ass
2: <laughs> yeah she gives no fucks she just goes all <laughs> And it's like, well, fuck this dude. You can follow a cliff if you want. I don't give a shit. Yeah, oh. I clearly killed this guy. That is exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> the story is not made
1: up. I killed
2: him, but was, he was a bag that of dicks. So
1: he earned it. Thing. That was like the funniest thing for me because it, yeah. it was just like, oh yeah, you know, There's a lot of comedy, but it's like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I totally didn't do it. Totally didn't do it. Kyoshi comes up. Yo, I killed that. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: It gives like, no fuck. It was definitely me. Oh come on, Kyoshi. At least <laughs> we get it. You're a spirit. You don't have to pay for your crimes. <laughs> Ang does because reincarnation is taken that seriously. Yeah. Self awareness oh, is key. Yo. Yeah. This is
0: also one of like the rare. Shows that even the filler episodes are just so damn good. Like if I recommended the show to anybody, I would not say skip the filler episodes because they are so either okay, help man. with character development or they're funny as hell.
1: And that's why it's really hard to paint something as quote unquote filler because it is important to the character journey. Yeah, and like even some things that pop up there show up later. Like we were talking about the dudes at the Avatar Day episode, the rough rhinos. I think they're the ones they pop up later on in season two. They attack Iroh and Zuko, and then they attack the Chin Village later on is revealed that they're the ones who actually burned down Jets Village and murdered his parents. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, every character has purpose. They didn't waste a single character. <laughs> yeah. Even the cabbage guy who became a running joke. <laughs> oh, there's the like an oral history on him.
2: Yes. I think from Slate. Yep. Yeah, and he even shows up in the graphic too. novels too. Yep. He opens yep. up a shop. <laughs>
1: a cabbage shop. He gets shop. rich, I think. He gets rich in Cora. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah.
2: He has a very successful art. Very successful business. I was just about to say, in the first season, there's an episode where Sokka becomes a fisherman, and that's yes. a clear filler episode, but the The flip side of that is that you find out why Zuko has the burn on his face. And why Aang disappeared. Yeah. And like that's a complete filler episode. But like we were talking about Zuko earlier and his redemption arc really starts at that point because one, he was right to be like, hey, you guys are about to sacrifice a bunch of soldiers for no real reason when you could do this a different way. And two, it sets up that his dad hates him. Yeah. And that maybe he's not as big of a piece of shit as he's been presented at that point.
1: Yeah, that's kind of been the narrative, though, because if you notice most of the time when they do those info dump episodes for Aang, they also do it for Zuko. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's how they balance
1: it yeah, out. That's how they balance it out. Zuko's really kind of the deuterogonist of the show, in a sense. Right, I mean, he had an entire episode to himself. Yep. Zuko, although. Um, yeah.
0: Great episode. Speaking of, what are your guys' favorite episodes from the show,
2: Chris? Well, finding out how Zuko got his scar is one of my favorites, but also the Blue Spirit, where Sokka and Katara get sick and Aang gets kidnapped by a group of Fire Nation soldiers. Uh, and yeah. basically, Zuko goes in as the Blue Spirit to break him free because he still needs to capture him in order to regain his honor but also yeah. the first episode where Aang comes out of a coma yeah, and he name. realizes yeah where Aang realizes how different the world is in thinking that he's dead and like that the world is lost and then you have on the other side of that like his world is going to shit Zuko's world is like doing great he's back home his dad like clearly dislikes him but doesn't hate him just dislikes him more than he hates him now at that point and he's a hero and like he clearly Wants that, but he doesn't want it at all. And you kind of see where his dueling nature, dueling ancestries is coming into play. Yeah. And later down the line by Iroh.
1: Yeah. The inner conflict. Yeah.
2: Brandon, how about you? What are your favorite episodes?
1: So, a lot of my favorite episodes are really big episodes. Crossroads of Destiny, fantastic episode. Siege of the North, part one, I think. Not the second one. The first one where like Katara and Zuko fight. The whole Siege of the North is very good. Yeah. A lot of those major moments are really favorite episodes for me. I really like the Agni Kai episode. I like Zuko alone. The Appa episode is actually brilliant. Oh, yeah. Appa's, Appa's Lost Days. Appa's yeah. Lost. That episode is brilliant. That's great. Very brilliant. It kind of reminds me of that movie of Spirit's Stallion of the Cimarron. The, that That's Dream about a horse, movie. right? Yeah, the horse yeah. movie. Yeah, the horse movie. Okay. Where it's like Matt Damon narrating the whole movie. Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, like, Appa doesn't speak, but neither does Spirit. And they kind of go through similar ordeals mm-hmm. where they're with people that they love and then they get separated and then they go through all these ordeals and then eventually end up back in a place. Well, not for Appa, at least. But it's mm-hmm. kind of like a similar beat and similar storytelling method that they go through that episode's brilliant the day of Black Sun probably my favorite episode though I thought that episode I know it's a two parter but I thought it was just very well done and you see the through line in how they're going to set up the remainder of the series and from then on it's just you know I know everyone gets to go on their little field trip with Zuko but you just get to have except for Toph (laughs) but you get to have that those moments alone time with them true
0: yeah she doesn't go on a solo journey like Zuko did with the other three
1: yeah but it also made sense for the other the three. Yeah. I'm happy that they made fun of it, but it made sense for the other three because Toph didn't really have the baggage with him that the others did, because she wasn't around yeah. when he was their enemy.
0: Yeah, like Zuko wouldn't be able to help out Toph. Yeah, her baggage. So yeah, well, <laughs> unless also, he like, really
1: went back home with her and was like talked to her dad. Exactly, because like Zuko never traumatized Toph. Toph grew up rich, True. and she left her privilege and frankly the safety of the Earth Kingdom to help save the world to help train Ang. But yeah. like, yeah, Zuko um,
2: spent like basically yeah. two seasons trying to kill Sokka and everybody.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like him going on a journey with them made sense. Yeah. Speaking of those solo journeys, honestly, like as much as those are really great, I think the guitar episode is really critical. Very powerful episode. Honestly, Her, that
2: yeah. relationship needed healing before anybody could go further. Because yeah. she was probably going to kill him if he did anything wrong.
1: Oh, absolutely. Actually, she, she literally yeah. threatened to kill him. Yep. Several yeah. times. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, for
0: me, I think I'm with you, Brandon. I love the big episodes. There were some that really like, stood out to me. Like the when we're in, there in the desert and we have sock with a cactus juice. It's the quenchiest. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> the desert, yeah. Yep. The episode where we were introduced to Toph, the Blind Bandit episode, love that because it was just like these imitation wrestlers, like some of them talk like Hulk Hogan or The Rock. And then you have just like Toph kicking their fucking ass all over the place.
1: Yeah, the boulder is actually Mick Foley. Oh, yeah. Is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They wanted to get The Rock to complete the joke, but, the, but they ended up getting Mick Foley. <laughs> nice. Well,
0: that's a good back God, that's
1: such good potential.
0: Yeah. Also, one of my recent favorites I had discovered in the rewatch was the episode, I think it was right before or maybe a few episodes right before Susan's comment, where basically Ang can't sleep and he's just tripping balls and he just sees visions of like Appa and Momo talking to him
1: yeah. and they balance. Right, right yeah, before. that's the episode right before the invasion, actually.
2: Oh, right before Day of yeah. Black Sun,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Ang doing ayahuasca, yep, great episode. Yep, and oh, it so blows my mind eye, that he gets yeah. the
0: best advice from a fucking giant sea turtle lion.
2: Before it's that. so fucking cryptic, too. Yeah, I mean. I mean, where are you getting your advice from? Not from a sea lion turtle. I mean, good point. Actually, I'm going to bring this up real quick. That is one of the most underrated, funniest things about that show: the animals just being combinations of other animals. But yes. then you get a straight up bear, and they're like, "What the fuck is this, Bos- oh Yeah, Bosco, <laughs> Bosco, yeah. Bear.
1: Bosco, the bear." I'm like, "They're like, no, it's a platypus bear. No, it's this bear. It's a th- this no, this no, it's just weird. a bear. This place is weird. <laughs> what the fuck's
2: wrong with these people? You guys just got a bit." Be- uh, i don't trust it i don't trust it it's just a beer
0: and they were right because like the something was off with the earth king that didn't know shit about what was happening outside of his kingdom
2: and the dialy was just like fucking around doing whatever they wanted yeah cool, but pretty. honestly if you have a beer and you're rich like i'm not really complaining about much <laughs> <laughs> Dude, i'm living my life however i want at that point you got beer money Come on, seriously! Yeah, no, I always thought that, that was wild. God bless Bosco. Oh, Bosco. Also, God bless Rufio. Rufio. Oh, Dante Bosco. Again,
0: them checks. So apparently, there's a rumor that was listed on the EW article that he will appear in the live action show as another character. He
2: better fucking appear.
0: Yeah. In I'm wondering action, who they so. couldn't have a mask.
1: I'm thinking maybe cabbage guy. Who can they have? I cameo? was thinking that too. Yo, he'd be a great cabbage guy. Yeah. I mean, he's been getting checks for this franchise for a while because he was also in Korra. Yeah. 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 The, yeah,
0: like, the directors love working yeah. with him and they keep him going. He goes to all the conventions. I think him and the actress who voiced Toph and Sokka go to most conventions. Yeah. Apparently the kid who voiced Dan just yeah. like flat out just disappeared out of nowhere. After he was done with the show, I was like, all right, got my check, easing out. Damn, That's he like, really looks
1: like the character to heart. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like if you look at his resume in INDB, all you have is like Avatar stuff. There was like one movie he did in between called The Ant and then everything else just like Avatar video games and stuff like that and then once that wrapped up boom, gone went to have a normal life after that
2: good for him yeah Yeah. seriously honestly some people chase the dragon of fame and it like bites them in the ass yeah and
0: apparently he was one of the only actors that didn't record with anybody else because apparently from an interview I saw with the actress who did Toph the rest of the cast was out in LA but he was recording in New York oh wow yeah they had this running joke at the I think it was like either the show finale premiere or the movie premiere it was like oh my god we found the avatar because they finally met the kid in person oh that
2: is (laughs) weird that is so fucking weird.
1: I wonder if that contributed to it though. Because he's out in New York. If they're all in LA and he's in New York, what reason would he really have to try to continue? Yeah, like Maybe don't he's even, doing other things. Yeah. I yeah. guess he
0: just called it a day. He's like, all right, I'm gonna lead a normal life after the show wraps up and got my avatar checks, good to go. But yeah, like the legacy of the show has been tremendous. Like I know fans from all over has just clamored around it, and unfortunately, gonna bring up the thing we don't like to talk about when that movie came out.
2: Jose, why you gotta bring these things up? <laughs> we gotta share a collective trauma.
0: True guys Sharon is caring but yeah i remember when they <laughs> first announced that. the movie i was very excited about it. it's like oh okay this is like a last airbender movie this is amazing i guess james gameron took over the avatar name because he came out with his other movie the year before it was like all right cool let's see what happens there like an asshole <laughs> The kid in the poster looked okay, but I didn't know like who who the hell is this kid? And then they announced the rest of the casting. I was like, oh, oh fuck. But I went into that movie hope. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe it's not so bad. And then the movie happened. I was like, what what the fuck is this shit? It's like the godfather memes, like, what did they do to my boy? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And he's holding up the, the picture of the movie poster. Yeah. I just yeah. don't get how you fuck that up so bad. Like they even brought in like the creators of the show as consultants, and that's part of the reason why they never went forward with a Season four. So did they basically just pull a George Lucas on him and just be like, "Hey, okay, yeah, you can you can come in to consult," but like, nah, fuck all your shit. We're gonna do whatever the hell we want. I guess my guess of what M Night
1: Shyamalan did, but like, my guy, why? Why would you well, do? Well, I mean, they first fucked up because they got M Night Shyamalan. Of course, I too was hopeful, yeah. okay, when I first <laughs> saw it. But you know, in hindsight and just looking at some of the movies that M Night has done, M Night Shyamalan is a thriller guy. He, he was never not, suited to do this movie. He was never suited to do that movie in the first place. Like, even if he wasn't a bad director, I think he's really a, a crapshoot. Like, I think he's very interesting director. His was very hit or miss, yeah, but like this was something that was way too structured for the way that he thinks and the way that he directs, and yep. it kind of just fell by the wayside. And you got a lot of stuff that looked really off, like just the bending, a lo- forget butchering the names, right? Maybe the names are you know, maybe they were correctly pronounced in terms of spelling and influence in the movie, but if you're doing something that's based yeah. on a fandom, you don't change it out of respect for the fandom. You that's, that's, that. your yeah. that's your bread and butter. That's your bread and butter.
0: Oh, are you the avatar on um? what? Why do you say an avocado? what the fuck are you saying? Soka. <laughs>
1: Soka. Soka. Yeah. Eero, like, I'm, so general, general, I'm Eero. Eero. Oh, man. And, like, the bending was nowhere trash. near entertaining. It was complete trash. Like You have four dudes trying to lift a rock. What the fuck are you guys What kind of fucking <laughs> earthbending trash is this? A pebble. A, pebble. A, pebble. A, a pebble. It's effectively a pebble. You a pebble. have an army of guys lifting a oh pebble. And it made that, even, that's didn't not even believable. make any
0: goddamn sense in the movie because I think in the TV episode that it was based on, they were on, like, a ship or something. Yeah, it was all coal. So that's why the burdens couldn't get out of there and then we was like hey guys you have earth like right beneath you oh
2: yeah we can earth bend <laughs> oh shit
1: let's lift this giant we're bubble. standing on earth yeah yeah. Oh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, it was really stupid but yeah even like just like logical stuff just didn't make sense you know you can suspend your disbeliefs only so much Yeah. then you have like the bending wasn't dynamic when you really come down to it when you look at the show and it's not just because it's animated it's just the way that it is every action did something every movement had purpose every movement mm-hmm. did something Thing, the bending was dynamic. When a character moved their arm, something happened. When a character moved their leg, something happened. You watch the way that they do that shit in that movie, and they're doing an entire freaking choreographed dance routine to, like, create the stream of mist. And that was just like the trial run that they went with in the first cut. It wasn't
0: even,
2: like, the... Yeah. yeah they trained for a while. It yeah. never looked like martial arts. At like all. At no point did it look like martial arts. It just, Brandon, you put it perfectly, a choreographed dance. That's exactly what it looked like. Yep. And that's a really big thing to go and to just be like, nah, fuck it. That doesn't matter. Because yeah. this show and again to repeat a point that brandon made it had a lot of martial arts embedded into the show like that was a constant and very specific type of martial
1: arts too yes yes very yes. specific the bending is made oh, out of specific martial arts
2: with certain martial arts like there's way more tai chi in the water bending and in the air bendings especially in the air bending actually than there is in the fire bending
1: yeah the fire bending I was know- a, it was a specific type of i think shaolin style kung fu the water bending was mostly tai chi i forget what the air bending was and then the earth bending i think was from hungar actually the martial arts consultant that they had the based Sokka's sword master off of that guy the actual martial arts consultant. on the show right
0: not on the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I don't yeah so know
1: Fuck they got. No, no. So no Saka so didn't have a master in the movie. They didn't get that. Well, yeah. I mean, they, they didn't get any martial artist, yeah. anything. Yeah, no. Any they, they didn't get, for the no, they didn't get anybody. They didn't, they didn't get Johnny no, Yen. They, they didn't get Jackie Chan.
0: They got a 10 year old who's practicing work. for a white belt probably.
2: Yeah. <laughs> from the corner. You guys disrespect my little cousin, Sean, like <laughs> that. They came to him. They saw him on the corner doing his moves and they pulled him in. He didn't ask for that. That is not the life he asked for. He just wanted to learn Taekwondo. And just the casting of this
0: movie. Jesus Christ. Christ, like, my God.
2: Like, if you're going to
0: be racially diverse, you could at least do it in the right way, not in all the wrong ways. They had white people as waterbenders. The only Asians in the movie were earthbenders, and they had, like, five lines minimum. All the firebenders were Indian, and, oh, this is a fun fact for you, Chris. Monk Gyatso in the movie was played by the cop from Black
1: Lightning. Yes. Monk Gyatso was right. black. I remember that. Black Monk. <laughs> what a time. The, yeah, the casting in the movie was all off. Oh, my God. So, I don't
2: know, it's very Hollywood to go in to take indigenous characters and be like white people it up. Come on, white people it up.
1: Let's get the random side character from Twilight and he'll be Sokka now. Speaking of Twilight, so you know what else was out that summer and was out in theaters at the same time? The third Twilight movie. You know what two movies I saw that same day because <laughs> I was being nice to a certain sibling? Those two. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry, Brandon. I saw both of those <laughs> movies the same day. I oh, saw man. Eclipse and then I saw Last Airbender. Oh
0: man, what Oof. a horrible day. That is truly a day Oof. of Black Sun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like,
0: <laughs> the girl who played Katara in that movie Literally I've hated her in everything She's been in
2: Specifically her character I'm trying to remember, I think she's being David Beckham's son
0: the, Yeah, this girl, I don't know who's Picking her roles for her She's it, but not like, that
2: great of a- actress. Now that we got over the
0: trauma of the movie, guys, what do you hope to see in the new upcoming Netflix adaptation, hopefully by next see, year,
2: Chris, go I ahead. I want to see the production. I want to see how they're producing it. I want to see the behind the scenes before I watch a minute of it, because I need to know that there's actual martial arts going into this. So the bending doesn't look like shit, Yeah, a diverse cast, a lot of Asian American actors, or just Asian actors as a whole, just to hold tight to
0: Yeah, luckily, of
2: the, since the, the
0: original acting. creators of the show are coming back this. They've promised that. So holding them to it, that they are going to have more Asian representation in the show, predominantly Asian cast. And since they brought martial orders to consult on the animated show, they would absolutely have to bring some for the live action one. Yeah. I don't you see know, that for, as a problem. I mean,
2: fingers crossed. Yeah. They put a lot of work into making the animated show. I would just hope that they put in the same amount of value and work into making it into a live action. Like yeah. if You're putting that much money into bringing everybody back and it's Netflix. Netflix will turn things around very quickly. There's not a Netflix show that doesn't look like there was a lot of energy and effort put into it maybe like some of the reality shows but like I don't know you don't have to do a lot for a reality show other than edit it down and yeah. yeah yeah and That's based it. on that same
0: That's EW article I think they said this is going to be the highest budget show that Netflix is putting forward so let's hope that good. that also sticks because the show needs that budget
2: what's that show that they did about the 70s and the early hip hop
0: oh the get I down think. yeah yeah that the used down. to be their
2: most expensive show.
0: that show was good though yeah
2: and yeah. Then they just keep getting it more expensive costs, like, shows going forward
0: like the Witcher I think. Mm-hmm is not currently yeah. the most expensive one then I think Avatar will probably beat that and then who knows what else they'll beat with later on
1: I gotta be honest if the Avatar show live action looks anywhere near The Witcher we're set yeah production wise it was good I don't think it's a bad show I enjoyed it I think it's confusing if you don't catch on to the anachronisms but overall I thought it was a fun first season yeah right.
0: and with the new show that just came out recently Curse you can tell that okay you guys put in some money on this thing it's a yeah. random show based on Arthurian legend with Catherine Lanford yeah. from 13 Reasons Why but yeah, yeah if they can make stuff look good on that show, then I have high hopes for the Netflix show. Yeah,
1: For me, just like Chris said, the martial arts really is fundamental to the series, and so it has to be on point. But I also want for them to be able to sell Mm -hmm. the idea of the characters progressing over time, kind of through their training. It should be very much the case and very much obvious that Aang is trained in airbending, but only has a very rudimentary understanding of the other forms of bending. So he should come in already having trained in whatever the airbending style they're going to be utilizing and then learn the other ones as they film effectively because i think that would showcase his progression maybe it doesn't make the best business sense for them to do that maybe it just makes more sense for him to have that ongoing training and then when they're filming those fight sequences and they just film those fight sequences maybe because it's live action they can just use stunt doubles so it doesn't fucking matter but regardless the fights need to be engaging because this is effectively a kung fu series it's it's kung fu fantasy but it is effectively a kung fu series and when you watch those shows when you watch those films when you watch those things the fights are what draw you in and there's a lot of storytelling that's involved through those fights so it is very critical that those are top notch and high quality absolutely I do want to see a cameo or two from some of the old cast members in some way shape or form it'd be very dope
0: although I think if they want to keep Asian representation I think most of the cast that voiced the animated series besides Dante Basco who else was Asian uh, Mako obviously Mako dead all, but... yeah and his replacement wasn't Asian so might just be Dante yeah. then <laughs> But we'll take good old yeah. Zuko any day true yeah for me yeah, I definitely want to see more Asian representation on screen. Watching a white Sokka and Katara just looked off in the live action version. It was like, as soon as I saw this, I was like, this doesn't look right. I, it doesn't feel like the characters I've known to grow and love. But yeah, yeah the martial arts, definitely very important. I don't know if they, maybe they'll have the kid who plays Aang train him as they're filming for the other elements. So that way they can correct him. It's like, oh no, hold your stance like this or whatever. So that way it actually looks legit and shows that progression as he moves on throughout the series. And yeah, getting the original creators back is a good sign. They're getting the composer back for the show because there's music in that show, Bob, too. I straight up love the end credits yeah. music for that show. I will just yes. watch the
1: credits just for that music. Love it. Yes, that music was top notch. There's one more thing. They need to get D. Bradley Baker back to be the animals. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> they got him back for the movie. I yes. don't see why
0: they wouldn't get him back for their divorce, like Appa and Momo. So, yeah, that would yeah, be a great yeah. call. And I think the creators themselves said, like, all right, we're going to make sure that Appa and Momo actually look cute this time and not like horrifying CGI creatures. Because I remember <laughs> Appa from the live action <laughs> movie. Movie, look like the monster from like where the wild things live. I don't know if you remember that. But yeah. Yeah.
1: He looked kind of janky. I and was like, damn, this is a Maurice Sendak character. Holy <laughs> shit.
0: And also that Sukho Scar looks right. Cause I remember Death Patel Scar on the movie looked like he had a rash, not a face burn. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck was that? It's like, I'm sorry, get this yeah, kid some ri- stereotype. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. That shit was not right. Yeah. So hopefully they get the right actors to play the roles. I have a gut feeling that they're going to go with unknowns for the main core three. If they do with like wider names. I think I'd suggested before that they get Ian Chen, who played Jean Choi on Shazam for Aang, Aldi Cavallo as Katara, and then Boo Boo Stewart redeemed himself as Sokka. And I think I saw some suggestions for Suko as either Ryan Porter or I want to say the kid who was Brad in Spider Man Far From Home, who was also in the Marco Polo I got show. You. Yeah, that kid. I got oh, you. Yeah. That wouldn't be, be too bad. Be crazy yeah. rich Asians, also. So I could yeah. see him being an easy snack for Suko.
2: You get Mike Moe, who plays Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in Hawaii. Hollywood also. Maybe he might be a good job. Who knows?
0: That's true. For Iro, I saw Samahong. It's got to be Samahong. And for Azula, I saw a couple options, I think. Say, so Anna kind of wouldn't do bad. I feel like she'd be a good fit if she trained I, some martial arts.
1: Azula's going to be an interesting thing one. Yeah. I'm also
0: wondering, are they going to age up the characters? Yeah. I don't know if they want to make them too, too old, or are they going to at least make them teen in case they want to do some Riverdale
1: shit with them? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they want to run to the Harry Potter problem where like characters get older. Timeline yeah. will really affect it, right? Yeah. If they wanted to keep the timeline from the original show, they got to pull a Lord of the rings and do everything at once. If they don't, then they probably have to age up the characters. So that way it's not a thing where like people are getting taller and their voices crack and all that shit. Yeah, so I think their
0: best shot would be to do something similar to what they did with the Lemony Snicker show on Netflix. They already planned for three seasons, which a lot like this show is probably going to be. Yeah, and So they filmed back to back. They had like a few months in between break. And even they had some problems with the kids hidden puberty at a certain time. And all of a sudden the kid looked taller in season four, but they just make like in show joke about it. It's like, oh wow, we've been sitting here so long. Like this kid grew three inches, but yeah, they could probably get away with something like, oh, we've been traveling in opera so long the it's grown three inches. Who knows? <laughs> or something to that effect. Cause yeah, these kids are going to start hitting puberty by the time mm-hmm. the show wraps. So it's, I think it's a good call that they haven't casted anybody yet while we're still under COVID lockdown. Cause they, imagine yeah. if they cast someone right now and it's like, oh, we can't start filming for like another year. This kid's already like five, taller than he was before. So that's, I think, one of the main reasons why they're holding off on casting. I think they might still be working on pre-production stuff, getting that composer back, maybe working on the scripts, hopefully. But yeah, hopefully they get the right this time to play those roles. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Going back into the legacy of Avatar, out of that show, we got the excellent Legend of Korra that went on for four seasons. And what's interesting about that show is that I think it went through a very weird time in Nickelodeon when that show came out. And that's why every season of Korra was almost like self-contained, like it had its own villain per season, because we don't know if we're gonna yeah. get renewed next season. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. And then it lasted up to season four. It's like all right, cool. We're kinda at season four. We're done. Yeah. So
1: it kind of had a weird production cycle because originally Nickelodeon didn't trust them to have another successful series effectively. They felt that the first series was basically lightning in a bottle and they said that they were interested in making another series. But Nickelodeon was like giving them pushback and saying, you know, we don't know. We can't guarantee it's gonna be successful. And then they told them about Korra and they're like, we don't think this, this is going to test well with the audiences. And stuff like that. And so they only ordered a miniseries which was effectively the first season. And then when they tested it with the kids the kids just really gravitated towards Korra and they're like alright so give us more episodes. And then eventually they ended up getting a full syndication for the full series. But at that point they had already done season 1 as like 12 or 13 episodes. And so they decided that they were just going to do them all in like shorter seasons because they're like we can't really write our way out of this one. So kind of hamstrung them. But they approached it differently anyways in their storytelling because it was very much a mixture of like urban fantasy and, and setter morning cartoon superhero. Yeah. And Korra's journey was very different
0: than Aang's himself. Like Korra wasn't really focused on on mastering all four elements and beating some main big bad guy at the end. She mastered Uh, most of the elements really well, right? Except like airbending, was it?
1: Yeah. She starts the show mastering the other three elements. So she already mastered water, fire, and earth, but she hadn't learned air yet. And so that's where the story takes place. Right.
2: I mean, they talk about how tough she is multiple times and the fact that she like took to earth bending very quickly.
1: Well, yeah, she took the bending
2: in she general. She took the bending in general very quickly, but they talk about her spirituality isn't as like developed as other avatars in the past. And it's just kind of like, well, I don't know. She kind of at times talks about feeling like she was raised to be a weapon.
1: Yeah, it is was very interesting to really deconstruct.
2: This
0: is how you do a sequel show, you guys. This is how it's done. <laughs> you bring us new characters, yeah. you bring in the legacy characters when they need to come in. we had a nice little cameos from like Katara and some flashbacks, I believe from Sokka, Toph raising her daughters that was a very interesting arc with developing a metal bending and have the police force there, how her daughters took to it. And even in the graphic novels, we got a little hints of who one of our baby daddies might be. See, Ooh. I still
1: haven't read that arc, so I need to go and read that arc. I really want to know who it is.
0: Yeah, they don't but, outright but don't do anything. <laughs> yeah, they don't do anything. It's just hinted that this might be the guy, but like nothing really happens between them just yet. I don't know if maybe in future graphic novels they'll be like, surprise it was that dude all along. He's Ling Bei Fong's <laughs> baby daddy.
2: I truthfully just want to know what happens to Sokka because I That's haven't gotten true. as far on the graphic novels, but yeah, I can not imagine him winding up with anyone. You don't see his grandchildren running around or his kids running around. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder you know what, what happened I between him I and Suki.
1: I think I know what happened to Sokka, but I don't think they ever confirmed it. I well, he's dead on the legend
0: of Korra. We know that, yeah. but we don't know how he died.
1: I think they implied it. So there's a conversation that Korra's dad has when they're dealing with the Red Lotus and that they're talking about when they first put the Red Lotus in prison. He mentioned specifically that when Korra was kidnapped by the red lotus. Korra's dad went out to rescue her because she was still a child, along with Tenzin. I think with Lin. I think he mentioned Zuko. He also mentioned Sokka was with them. I think Sokka died in that encounter. Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah, damn. We really need Netflix to get this show on there
1: already. By the time this episode's out, it will be there. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since uh, I've watched uh, that show and I
0: really want to rewatch it.
1: I think that was what they were getting at. I don't think they ever confirmed it outright, but I think that was what they were hinting at. Because he specifically said that Chief Sokka went with them when they went to capture of them and that they're the ones who put them in prison and they got Korra gotcha. back. But we don't see Sokka outside of flashbacks. And we don't even Rem- see a flashback for that fight. I don't think we learned how Aang died because he kind of had to die for the show to exist. Oh, yeah. He, he yeah. had to be dead for Korra. To
2: Probably dead just dead. natural causes. The man was yeah. like 100 years old. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: he was true. Old. Zuko, Toph, and Katara were all still alive. Okay, so those three were still kicking around.
1: Yeah, because it's only been 70 years, so they're in their 80s. But Aang would have been right. well over 100. He would have been pushed yeah. to at that point. That's
0: true. But yeah, I'm curious when we'll get those answers like who are Toph's baby daddies? How did Saka die? Maybe it'll be that encounter. It's been really interesting to see the storylines that they put out for the graphic novels. At least yeah. the first one, we got enclosure with Suko and finding his mom, which was a lot more complicated than I thought it was going to be. I thought he was going to find her hidden in a village somewhere. It's like, mom, there you are. And he yeah, kind of did, but there was a twist to it. So I wonder if maybe they'll wrap that up more succinctly in the live action show. Because I know that was like a loose plot thread by the end of the show. I wonder if they try to wrap that up in a quick scene at the last episode of Suko. Finding his mom Without the whole Face changing monster That erased her memory And changed the way she looked And all this other stuff
1: So just for clarification Because I read it I think when the comic came out But I don't remember mm-hmm. now Was it Ko the face stealer Or was it someone Completely different
0: It was his mother It Ko was Ko's the mother Yes Another spirit That okay. switches faces In this village And basically The way that Sugo got that information Was that He tried talking to Ozai mm-hmm. Ozai was like Nah fuck and you, Ozai said, you no, Yeah, yeah So basically Azula. He's like Well gotta bring in Azula To help out out there. So Ozai told Azula and uh, Azula was basically like Loki in Thor The Dark World where they basically had to bring her on the adventure and everybody was like if you betray us we'll fucking kill yeah.
1: you. Yeah <laughs> I remember yeah. that part. Yeah,
0: yeah. so basically I, I, Azula I, I, yeah. obviously escapes because Azula is going to be Azula and then they find out the yeah. whole history that Suko's mom swapped her face to hide from Ozai and she had a former lover who they briefly thought was Suko's real father but it turned out he wasn't because it's revealed that he is in fact Ozai's son and it was nice that Zuko got another little sister out of it that actually likes him and isn't trying to kill him every five seconds. Like, oh, and she also calls him Zuzu, but in a cute way now.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank God that that was in a healthy that
0: fashion. fashion. That's always been a rough point 100%. for Zuko and Azula because Azula always kept besting him at like fire bending and everything else. She mastered lightning bending before him, and Ozai was always like giving him chef orders. Like, look at your little sister. She's able to see such a prodigy. You're basically a piece of shit that can't do anything. And that's really? where the animosity came in.
1: Yeah, honestly, Ozai didn't really need motivation to treat Zuko differently. Just look at the performance between the two kids. That's true.
0: Yeah, so it was finally great to see that closure. All right, you guys. Anything else said on Avatar? The show, The Legacy of Korra, or anything you'd like to see a future
1: avatar show with an Earthbender, perhaps. That'd so, be dope, actually. I stand by my wish for a sort of cyberpunk avatar. If they wanted to do John Boyega's idea of having it take place in like some kind of African influenced continent or something, that's fine. They're totally welcome to create a new continent. That's like up to as them. a
0: sequel show?
1: Yeah, as a sequel show. Okay,
0: good. Avatar sequel, cyber future. Yeah, I'm good yeah, with that.
1: Yeah, if they ever wanted to do a sequel show. Show, I would have loved to see it be cyberpunk, you know, depending on the progression of technology, but they're basically in 1920s America at this point. Yeah. So they progress sense. pretty quickly. And yeah, yeah. They already have radio in like, 70,
0: tank. 80 years later. Makes sense. Yeah. They made Coruscant an official thing in the comics. Nickelodeon wouldn't let them. They would only let them hold hands and that's it.
1: They were tackling the perception and stuff like that. Them talking to Coruscant's parents and, you know, whether or not the world would be accepting of their relationship and things like that. It was very interesting stuff and for them to tackle. It was in line with the series because, you know, it was yeah. a more mature series. God was in yeah. a series. I mean, yeah. shit, they killed people on screen and shit. Yeah, like
0: the villains in that show went ham.
1: Yes. Child, Child abuse. abuse. Dude, when Zaheer killed the Earth Queen, holy shit. Yeah. I was like, damn, that's fucking brutal. Legit bent the
0: air out of her lungs. Holy shit. It went all in the show. That's why I fucking love it. They weren't afraid to go dark. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm into it. Chris, how about you? Any other thoughts on Avatar or Legend of
2: Korra? Or what you'd like to see from this universe going forward? I like that cyberpunk idea for an Earthbender going forward. I'll say this. I honestly think that Avatar The Last Airbender is maybe the greatest television show of all time. And I can die on that hill very easily. This show has lasted this day of time. Yeah, like years, the test like, of time. Like 15 years started. Yeah. And I can't really imagine it being like questionable in any way, shape or form. And The Legend of Korra extending like its legacy and showing like how the show goes further. Legend of Korra isn't a top five show of all time, but honestly, it's got a good argument for top 10, top 20.
0: Still pretty damn
2: good. Not as good as Avatar, but still damn good. You sandwich them together, it's still the best show of all time, though.
0: I'm glad you said that because this brings me to my next question getting some ratings in for this show. I can probably guess what they're going to be, but I'm going to ask anyway. Brandon, what's your rating for this show?
1: You already know 10 out of 10, baby. 10 out of 10. (laughs) It is very difficult, even after 15 years of viewing it and how old the show is and everything. It is very difficult to deny the narrative and just the clarity in the direction and purpose of the writing and the fact that it one Emmys for writing in and of itself. That's very rare chose, for an animated show. It kind of shows that. Exactly. It kind of shows that. Thing. They were working with some magic here. This is one of the most well-written series I've ever seen and one of the most well-produced series I've ever seen. Absolutely 10 out of 10. Chris, do I even bother asking? It's a 10 out of 10. Best show I've ever seen. Hands down.
0: I think I'm going to go with a 9 point. I'm just getting a 10 out of 10. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was always going to be a 10. This show, like even when I rewatched it 15 years later, I was, damn it, it's still a hit me in the fields made me cry laughing It was so hard at saga's jokes. The arch just stuck. It was like I have yet to see another show where I can rewatch it after a long period of time and still react the same way as it did the first time around. It's beautifully done. The cast is impeccable. I couldn't imagine any other voice actors for the role that they picked. They just picked the best people for the role. Shout out to Andrea Romano who voice directed like most of all of our favorite childhood shows. The woman knows what she's doing from story time perspective wrapped up beautifully for three seasons it didn't go on for an extended period of time I think I've said this before but you guys know when I hate when a show goes on for way too long past the point where it should have the show knew where to end its run they knew what story they wanted to tell they brought in the right characters just beautifully done all throughout all right and with that we're
2: gonna go to hot take city <laughs> All right, Chris, give us your hot takes for this week. This just hit me two seconds ago as my phone was acting up. So Brandon and I have had this conversation before that apparently in order to introduce the X-Men into the MCU, they want to go about this all sorts of fucking ways. But one of the introductions is that they want to put Beast in Sword, which is like shield except for outer space. So if we want to take this a step further, my idea is that they go and the character that they choose to introduce after that should probably be Wolverine in Black Panther 2
1: interesting why wolverine and not namor or storm
2: well namor namor or storm yeah or storm you're right jose storm is wildly obvious just because you have the black panther marrying her i mean they already got janelle monae on
0: the phone for that she's like ryan cooler i'm ready to go man
2: But like, I feel like the best surprise one would be Wolverine because adamantium is basically cheap knockoff vibranium. And at some point that could probably intersect somehow. But also Wolverine just like quietly coming out of nowhere and, and just like being like, hey, I'm going to try and do something here. And then you get an entire movie arc or just like a small portion of a movie with that probably would be like a nice little element of surprise. I'm just giving that the idea. I'm not saying if they're going to do it or not. I think it would just be more fun than like the two more obvious routes that they can
1: go down. That is an interesting point. Wasn't there also the rumor of Rogue appearing in Captain Marvel 2? Yeah, there was also that rumor.
2: Yeah. That would make sense
1: because that's how she got
0: her powers in the comics, right? Yeah,
1: that's how she got the flight and super strength.
0: Yeah. Wolverine in Africa is interesting, though. I feel like Stryker or somebody like that would make more sense because he's the guy collecting the adamantium if it lands in Africa.
2: Stryker going down into Africa to get vibranium as a whole would be a good place to intro Wolverine in because then he's going after Stryker at that point. True.
0: Is he going after Stryker or is he working part of his team before he gets injected with
2: it? I would say going after him and you make sure that he already has the adamantium on his claws and it's like a revenge mission okay. and it's because claws dead at that point so he has no way to get vibranium or someone who can sense vibranium
1: so i think my one question on that would be it depends on the narrative that they're telling with black panther 2 after they quote-unquote open wakanda's borders because yeah. did they share the vibranium with the world because at that point does wolverine still work does he have vibranium instead of adamantium like does does the adamantium at all make sense i in the, still in the MCU? Go
2: adamantium because like they want to try and make a cheaper vibranium or get their own version of vibranium so they're not reliant on going to wakanda and they're like okay. well we're afraid of their security at that point and then you go and you wind up with weapon x and the weapon x experiments and wolverine is like the 10th person to go through it and i think the nine before him died or like yeah see this just sounds like a better wolverine movie than like a black panther movie at this point yeah but- yeah no but you have the diplomacy with black panther and everything like that yeah but even yeah. then i feel like
0: black panther would make a Cameron wolverine movie <laughs> instead of wolf wolverine- we're making a I came in a Black Panther movie. Oh no! Yeah, I my like
2: and Drake, yeah. <laughs> stay scheming. We're making stay scheming too. Okay, Brandon,
1: how about you? I have two. Number one, Dee Bradley Baker is getting so much bread right now from his involvement with both Avatar series to his involvement with the Clone Wars, which is now getting a spinoff in the Bad Batch. That dude is getting paid. Yeah, for him. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, I think Dave Filoni
0: brought good. a bunch of people from Avatar over to Clone Wars, including Dee Bradley Baker. They had a clone trooper named oppo with the arrow on his helmet d
1: bradley baker voiced so many damn characters in that show the guy could win an emmy just off of that yeah props to him my second hot take i'm really happy the nba is back although i really wish that they had just canceled the season but at the same time i'm really happy to be able to watch basketball again okay. i've been in this weird mix of like re-watching old highlights from just this past season alone but also like old games you know like kobe games the last dance really helped alan Iverson highlights and stuff like that i spent a lot of time trying to look at like offense and defense, not just because I want to try to play 2K, but also just so I can actually visually see what's going on instead of just tracking the ball. Like me as a kid and as an adult as well, when I'm watching basketball, I tend to focus on the ball, not necessarily on the players off the ball. And so I don't really pick up on the offenses and defensive schemes as much unless it's very obvious that something different is occurring. But over time, I've been l- trying to look more at that. And so it's been really nice to be able to actually see it and identify things a bit more easily. But I also pick the worst time possible to learn about NBA defense because I started learning about it after Steph Curry reinvented the NBA. I would say that that's actually a good time
2: to learn about NBA defenses because now the wheel's being reinvented. So you're learning when everybody else is learning also. So you're kind of coming at it on pace. That's fair. I mean, the best way to learn about basketball is to watch a lot of basketball. Yeah. So basketball analysis is mostly just like sometimes you have to throw a lot of shit at the wall and then hope it sticks. And then when it does actually stick, you have to break down how you got that far. Yeah. All right.
0: Right. My hot takes this week are going to be one for that other avatar, James Cameron. Why are you still making sequels to that dog? Like,
2: hey, nobody asking for that shit. You missed your
0: shot, man. No you one. Missed you missed your shot. Like, people were asking about this like a year or two after the first one came out. But after that, it's like, come on, man. Like, we've moved on since. Like, I thought it was an entertaining movie, but I would have wanted to go in a different direction. I mainly like that movie because of the visual effects and how it sort of brought back 3D, the novelty of it, and stuff like that. I know my dad loves the, the shit out of the movie, even though he, yes, he fully well
1: knows that it's Pocahontas with blue people. We know the story's not original in any sense. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's the only movie that is ever worth watching in 3D. And I'm so yeah. mad that that's the one time I wasn't able to get 3D tickets. Tim and I went to see it, but we couldn't get 3D tickets because it was on its way out. Yeah. I remember going to uh, last
0: minute tickets to a sold out show in IMAX 3D and it was amazing. I just remember that experience. It's like, wow. Save what you will about James Cameron. He fucking nails it when it comes to technology. So fucking Avatar 2 and those sequels better have like 4D or some other shit to like re the smell of vision <laughs> <laughs> Running
2: back smell of vision baby. You gotta run so that like,
0: back and I'm pretty sure Disney's just pushing them was like alright yep just keep making movies because that way we can make more toys for, for the park make more characters creatures toy merch we can sell out yep just let it rain because Disney's gotta make money somehow <laughs> so my other hot take was I don't know what the fuck they're doing with that Flash movie that shit's all over the place there were there's, now
2: r- there's rumors
0: that first of all that there's not gonna be an Atlantean and Amazonian more, so that's out and uh. then that there's a r- rumor recently that there might not even be a villain and that Flash is gonna fight the Speed Force itself, which I don't know how the fuck that makes any sense because I'm already getting huh. an inclination that's like fighting the Galactus Cloud from the second Fantastic Four movie and that just doesn't play. What the fuck are you guys doing? Just pick your lane and stick to it, man. And all honest, that Ezra Miller and Graham Morrison script didn't sound that bad after it leaked.
1: No, it did not. I have mean, actually it actually did it. not. It
0: seemed like a good standalone Flash movie without having to like hammer fist in fucking Flashpoint out of nowhere and replace Thomas Wayne with Michael Keaton Batman instead of giving us the Batman Beyond movie and all this other the random nonsense.
1: So, Jose, interestingly enough, I might not be against a Flash movie not having a villain. Hmm. I think it would just be something different for a superhero movie in general, because how often do we make the joke about Barry running through time and fucking shit up? All the time. (laughs) Everybody? All the time. And quite frankly, Barry's power set makes it difficult for him to have a compelling villain because it really takes away your suspension and disbelief because he's so damn fast. How would you suggest
0: that the movie play out almost? Him just going back and forth trying
1: traveling? For me, it would have to be very character driven And it would have to be him, you know, coming to to accept what happened with his mother and and his his father's imprisonment and all that stuff and and the shit that happened and the follow from that. Now, sure, I know there are many ways that they've done that where they have had like, you know, Professor Zoom or Reverse Flash or someone else be the killer, et cetera, et cetera. And I can't pretend that I would know how to pull it off, but I would be intrigued for there to not be a true villain, per se, the same way I would have thought that Wonder Woman was a better movie if they didn't actually have a third act fight sequence in that Ares was, you know, not necessarily someone that you fight per se because it's the god of war. For me, having a moment where the entire plot is resolved by just beating up the bad guy, to me, as much as I love superhero movies, it's not just predictable. It's kind of like unfulfilling, especially if you have something. Yeah, there are certain bad guys that, yeah, you just want to see them fight them. In other moments, it's like, well, this doesn't really need to be resolved with a fight. There's other ways to resolve this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like Flash is one of those characters that lends itself to not necessarily needing to have a villain to fight, you know? Yeah, I could actually
0: see it going both ways now that you mentioned that that either Barry himself realizes that he keeps fucking up by going back and forth or just having somebody like reverse slash or somebody not necessarily fight him but sort of like be what Ares and the one the one should have been just basically meaning the devil on the shoulder being like see Barry this is what you do you keep fucking up this is all your fault sort of like antagonizing him without initially to throw a punch but it's still up to Barry to come to the realization himself and sort of like seeing it through that he fixes that issue
2: that could work honestly I was not pro a uh, Flashpoint movie just because honestly with how new that storyline was it feels like it's just been beaten to a pulp but if you're selling it to me like that i can believe in that
0: yeah and if it gives us a good sure. reason to reboot some of the dcu stuff then maybe give us a new lex Luthor. explain why exactly. robert pattinson looks like van affleck now or something
2: yeah fuck with the universe <laughs> enough that like we can believe what it's going to be doing going forward yep exactly yeah so hopefully that sticks through hopefully ezra miller learns how to run but like you know
0: we'll find out when we get the snyder cut though all right thank you for joining And Brandon, where can the people find you on social media?
1: So on Twitter, people can find me at BCKESSO and on Instagram at l d chocolate. All right. Chris, where can the people find you? People can find me on Twitter and
2: Instagram at CWLKR20. All right. And the people can find me on Twitter
0: at SH1TJAYLOWSAYS and on Instagram at JDLA92. Thanks, everyone. And that's our show.
2: Hey everyone, this is Chris with the Fact Check. On August 12th, the creators of the show, Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko, announced that they would no longer be part of Netflix' live-action remake, citing creative differences with the streaming service's vision of the show. In 2007, Avatar The Last Airbender won a Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation and was nominated for Outstanding Animated Program for Programming Less Than an Hour. The show did not win any Emmys for writing, but it did win a Peabody Award in 2009. Remy He played Brad Davis in Spider Man Far From Home. The TV show Cursed on Netflix was actually based on a graphic novel by Frank Miller and Tom Wheeler. The second Avatar graphic novel was titled The Search, where we find out what happened to Zuko's mom. The first graphic novel, The Promise, deals with Zuko's first year as Fire Lord, after Ozai's defeat. The actor who played Klaus in Netflix's A Series of Unfortunate Events grew several inches between seasons 1 and 2. There was no fourth season. Finally, the bending styles were based on Tai Chi Chua for Waterbenders, Hung Ga Kung Fu for Earthbenders, Northern Shaolin Kung Fu for Firebenders, and Baku Zhang for Airbenders. I'm sorry if the pronunciation isn't perfect, honestly. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening.
0: And that's our show. NerdCraft Nation is a partner of PubSquare Media and is hosted by Austin Hall, Jose Lopez, Brandon Kessley, and Chris Walker. Our theme music was composed by Daniel Ferris. If you would like to keep up with the show, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdcraft Nation, like us on Facebook, or subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Be sure to leave a review if you can. If you would like to send us a voice message, please check out our show notes for a link to our voicemail inbox.